Our gospel reading for today and also the text for our sermon comes from Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 44. Our Lord Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house, brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to start with a question today, and so... I need some audience, some congregation participation in this time, or else um, it'll be really awkward and we'll just sit here for minutes on end in silence looking at each other. It's really weird. So, so here's the question. What makes something valuable? Think on it for a minute. What makes something valuable? Patricia has her hand up, and I've got a feeling that Patricia is, is, uh, is, is going to proclaim the gospel strongly here. But, <clears throat> ooh, okay, I like that. That's, 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 that's really good to actually get this conversation going. So beauty or value is in the eye of the beholder. Great. And I'm repeating it for our friends who are watching online, just so you know. So beauty, value, it's in the eye of the beholder. Flynn and then Paul. Okay, so value. So people want it, right? Like, yeah, that, that, there's something to that. Good point. We might come back to that. Paul and then Jody, did I see your hand? Okay. Perception makes something valuable. Very good. Okay, so uh, Jody. Okay. Okay, so it doesn't have to be a monetary value value that's put to something. There's other ways of something being valuable. So Brian, then Chris. Ooh, utility. All right, so how, how useful is, is something to us, to our lives, to our team, right? that sort of stuff? There, there comes some value with that. Good, good point. Chris, emotional Connection. Okay, can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? 
Okay, okay. So, so can I say it this way? Um, it depends. The, the value of something can depend on who made that thing, right? So um, if a child... You know, there's a there's a picture. It's Thanksgiving time, and there's a handprint, and that is uh, put on there. And then there's a little turkey made out of that, right? And it it's given to you, and it's signed, Pastor Larry. You'd look at that and be like, "Come on, you could have done better, right?" But if that comes from a child that's in in open arms, of course, that's there's it's going to be more valuable, especially if that's your child, or maybe kind of going off on that same theme, and this is, this is a little different direction than you're going, but if you're looking at a painting, and you're like, eh, that's okay, but then you look at the bottom corner, and it's signed Vincent Van Gogh, right? Uh, there's a little bit more value that comes to something, depending who made it, right? Good. Who else? And, and I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Susan, nice to meet you. What are you? Oh, scarcity. So, so supply and demand, right? Uh, scarcity. <laughs> you know, I really, really, really need some eggs right now. Or toilet paper or hand sanitizer or, you know, whatever we've seen in the past few years, right? And the scarcity of something can make it. Sriracha sauce, anyone? A sriracha person? Yeah, there's a moment. So, yeah, good, good. Thank you for adding, Susan. Brian? Uh, hadn't thought of that, and that's, uh, that's a good one. If something is taken from your life, if you have something and it's taken away, you realize, oh, what I had, how valuable it was at that time, right? Sometimes it's not until that moment as humans that we recognize the value. Other people, Jody? I was going to say, it's like your kids saying, you need to get rid of some of the stuff. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, so uh, kids may say to their older parents, uh, um, you need to get rid of some of your junk, right? And But that's mine. <laughs> that's mine. You don't know the memories that are connected with this and yeah yeah sentimental value hmm, there you go brandon how much you're willing to give up to have it huh i like it anyone else can't top that this isn't a competition this is just a conversation but I think we have a a good, um, you know, array of, of different things. You know, the, the other things that that I came up with were location, right? Uh, location, location, location. Uh, just um, the that's the real estate thinking, right? Um, or something else that maybe popped in my mind was inflate inflation or fashion. What, what's fashionable? That sort of stuff makes things popular. But uh, but ultimately, and yeah, really can't top what Brandon said. Ultimately, something's value is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it, financially or otherwise. Today, 
we are going to be taking a look at at two parables that Jesus gives us from Matthew 13. In fact, um, chapter 13 of Matthew's gospel is is referred to as Jesus's parabolic discourse or teaching on the parables. It's the the greatest clumping of, of parables. It's not the only parables in Matthew's gospel, but focuses on the parables, right? Parables, uh, the definition of that, short stories, uh, maybe, or we say it this way, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, something to convey the truth uh, of God's kingdom. And so for three weeks in a row now, this being the third week, we have been taking a look at some parables that Jesus has given us. We looked at parable of the sower, beginning of Matthew chapter 13, parable of the weeds last week. Today, we're taking a look at two parables, back-to-back, that are shared. Uh, the, the parable that's it's called in my Bible, uh, the parable of the hidden treasure, and the parable of the pearl of great value. Okay. And historically, well, l- let me say this. Two parables, back-to-back, kind of have pretty much the same meaning at the end, right? So why, why does Jesus tell two stories in a row? Well, probably for emphasis on the parable itself, on the teaching, on the importance of what he's teaching at that point. And sum the parables up real quick. The man in the first parable, or the merchant in the second parable, is someone who sells everything to purchase the field, or uh, I'm sorry, the the treasure or the pearl. Um, And and the typical, uh, let me say this, the traditional, the historical interpretation of that is this man sells everything to purchase the kingdom of heaven. Think about it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure or a valuable pearl. It's really, really important. Anyone here going to disagree with that? No, that's that's probably the case, right? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is really, 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 really valuable. So, what's the moral of the story, of the parable? Be like that man. And to be fair, this is the way that these parables have been read for centuries, for a long time. There are some reasons to pause for that understanding that reading, that interpretation of these parables. Later in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 19, we see Jesus do say essentially the same kind of thing to someone, the rich young man. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Does he do it? No. 
No, this rich young man walks away sad because he has lots of possessions. Hmm. Jesus was literally right there. He could have reached out and touched the kingdom of heaven. But he chose not to sell all that he has. And we have to ask ourselves, honestly, do I sell everything that I have for God's kingdom? If your answer is yes, then you're a liar. (laughs) Or you're deceived. The reality is, there's always a little bit more we can give, whether that be in the offering plate or to our neighbor across the street or to a community nonprofit organization. or There's always something more financially, emotionally that we can give. Are we like that man? Ugh. Nope. <laughs> and so not only practically does this not fit super well, but is this the way that the whole of Scripture talks about the kingdom of heaven? Remember, the definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meeting, right? Is this the way that Scripture talks about the, the kingdom of heaven? Do we buy our way into the kingdom of heaven? that's bad theology. That's like 101 seminary course. <laughs> don't, don't preach that. If I preach that, uh, you all, rightly so, should fire me. And is, is this the thing that Jesus is emphasizing by telling two similar stories back to back? We also know this, that when the parables are told, when Jesus tells kingdom parables, which this is the one, again, twice he says, and the kingdom of heaven is like, and the kingdom of heaven is like. Whenever a kingdom parable is told, and there's a lone figure acting in that story, it's always God or Jesus. It's never his followers. It's never us. So, Maybe take a, another look at this and see, is this the direction we want to go? We do so carefully out of respect for tradition, respect for those who have gone before us in the faith. But ultimately, as Lutheran Christians, as children of the Reformation, if you will, we hold to sola scriptura, scripture alone. And so maybe a different way of looking at this parable, and it's worth saying, like there's a couple parables that Jesus says, oh, here's what I meant when I told these parables, and he lines up like the field is the world and this person is that person. He doesn't do that for us in these parables. So we have to have ears to hear what Jesus is saying. The man in these two parables is not us, but is Jesus. And you 
are the treasure, the pearl, the valuable one. Now, the pushback that immediately, maybe some of you are already going here. (laughs) Am I the valuable one, the treasure, the pearl of great price? Oh, and then we start comparing ourselves and our value and our our worth to, to, well, to other people. My brother is a better athlete than I am more valuable to the team than I could ever be. I just watched uh, the movie A League of Their Own yesterday. And if you know anything about that movie, it's uh, you know early 90s. Aren't the best movies made in the early 90s? This is totally coming from a 90s child. But so, um, and, and it's World War II. Men are away at war. The women are playing baseball, right? And the two main characters, central characters in, in this whole story are Dottie and her sister Kit. And uh, Dottie, Dottie, she's the oldest, the tallest, the best baseball player, the prettiest, the married one, and Kit is just her kid sister. Ah, never as valuable as her older sister. Maybe you have a similar story like that, or or I'll never maybe maybe this is your thinking valuable. I'll never be as pretty as that other girl. Or uh ah, valuable. If only I got better grades, then I'd be more valuable to my parents. Look at other people. Look how perfect their family, their marriage, their kids that sit so quietly in church and never make a noise are. If we could just be more like them, we would be more valuable. Or we compare ourselves not to other people, but to our former self. And this happens. And I hear this. Pastor, my, my mind isn't as sharp as it used to be. I struggle with dementia. And it's almost said as an apology. It's almost, you can hear in the voice, a devaluing of self. All right, I'm not able to physically do what I used to be able to do, to, to, to speak the way I used to, to speak with a fervor, to, to climb the mountains I used to be able to climb. Oh, if only I could be like I was 30 years ago. And some of you might be thinking, valuable? Yeah, right, pastor. You don't know the things that I have done. And you're right. I don't. Not entirely. But Jesus does. Could even say it this way. Valuable. But the church has told me 
for years and years that I'm bad. And it's true. We're sinners. And it's true that you're valuable to Jesus. He knows the things that you have done. He knows everything about you. And you're still valuable to him. Both Two things can be true at the same time. You can be a sinner and valued by God. You are valuable. And so, as for me, and for my house, <laughs> this is the interpretation, the reading of the parables that we're going with. Jesus is the man. We are the treasure, the valuable pearl. And think about this. Think about the thing. What makes something valuable? <laughs> Who made it? Who made you? God made you. That uh, his autograph is at the on the sole of your foot, just kind of like like Andy is written on the bottom of Woody's foot in Toy Story, right? Uh, Jesus, he signs off on you. He made you. That gives you an intrinsic value, and and it's worth noting right here that it's only with a belief in God that you can say, "I'm valuable." Because of who made me? Because of God. Because of his signature on me. The only other way to find value in our life, and, and we do this in our world, and, and that's okay, most valuable player. Like, what's our contribution to our team? What do we do? But see, this is the difference. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It finds value not in what you do, but in whose you are. God has created you. <laughs> oh, and Jesus, he's the man. He's the one that has sold all that he has for you. Prince of heaven, creator of the world, who stepped down into this world, took on human flesh for you. He gave it all up so he could be with you, so he could redeem you. Perfect human, never sinned, never had to pay the penalty of death because he never sinned. And the wages of sin are, is death. That's the only reason why death exists. Death isn't a part of just kind of natural life and the way the circle of life and the way things go. No, death is the opposite of life. And yet Jesus dies for you. All in. If this was a game of poker, I was in, in Blackhawk this past week. Judge me if you want. Wasn't gambling. But I was there, and so gambling is on my mind. If this was poker, all in. Jesus is all in. On, on this, on you, pushing his chips to the middle so that he can buy you back. What's someone's value? Ultimately, it's what someone is willing to pay. Jesus paid everything. God of creation 
paid everything for you. No other religion besides Christianity can say that. Everything else, every other religion is work-based. Do I pray enough? Do I, do I have enough time in church? Do I, am I devoted enough? No, we say we are valuable not because of what we have done or what we do, but because of Jesus and what he has paid for us. He looks at each of you and says, that's the one I want. And he did so with joy. The joy of his heart. And so we, today, we, we get to live with value, knowing that we're significant. And so if someone tells you, <laughs> you're worthless. They're wrong. If you ever think to yourself something like, I'll never be as blank as that other person, well, it's a lie. <laughs> and we regularly look to the cross of Christ. We sing praises to the name of Jesus. We pray to our God in heaven to remind ourselves just how valuable we are. Amen.